0: How great is our God. We certainly do serve a mighty God, a mighty King. and He is not our God because somehow we have fashioned this God into existence. This is the eternal God. But He is our God because He has chosen uh, for us to be His people. He has called us to follow after Him. He has called us into a relationship with Him and provided salvation for Our sins. He is a mighty God who is always faithful to his people. Well, last week we heard from Dr. Kevin Blackwell and we were reminded from Kevin about the storms that we face in life. Reminded that we will face storms in life, that no one goes through life without facing situations of hardship, situations of opposition, crisis situations. No one is immune from them. In fact, the Bible is clear that all of God's people will face difficult times, will face challenging times. And no doubt, all of us come together this morning, even on Sunday, as the church, carrying baggage. We all come from various circumstances and situations, and all come together with things on our minds, things that we're going through, things that we're experiencing, and I don't know what all is represented among us this morning. I don't know what kind of baggage you bring today, but no doubt that there are some this morning that are facing crisis situations. No doubt there are those among us who are grieving. There are those among us who are hurting. Those among us who are facing serious illness. There are those among us that perhaps are facing an uncertain future source of income. The list goes on and on. As we come together to open the Word of God, let's invite God to, to speak to us and to shape us and to fix our eyes, not on those things, but on the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We serve a God who, who is with us, who doesn't leave us, doesn't leave us alone or leave us in the dark as we face difficulty, but a God who, who never leaves us, a God who never forsakes us, a God who is always with us. Remember that Old Testament character Moses and how the Lord used him and a task that God called Moses to? Moses was called by God to go into Egypt to confront the king of Egypt, to confront Pharaoh and to, to tell him to let God's people go. In essence, to, to deliver, to, to, uh, to lead roughly one million Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. This was a big task. This was a task that that really Moses wanted no part of, but God called him to do it and God promised him that he would be with him and that he would get him through it. But Moses led this people for 40 years. He led them out of slavery in Egypt. He led them uh, through the wandering in the wilderness as they prepared to enter into an abundant land, a a promised land, a, a land that was rich, a land that would provide a a certain and and good future, and yet this would not be simply a walk in the park to enter into that land. This was not like checking into the local hotel, because this was a land that was occupied. Occupied by mighty kings and their armies. And as Moses prepared to leave, as he prepared to leave this earth, as he was on his deathbed, and Preparing to pass the torch on to the next great leader. Preparing to pass the torch to Joshua. He said to the Israelites as recorded in Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6. As they prepare to enter into the promised land. He said be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. That is the people in the land. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you. Nor forsake you. You can almost read between the lines of what Moses is saying here people had been dependent on moses to be this intermediary between god and the people he had spoken to god on their behalf and god had spoken through moses to to the people and they depended on Moses' leadership and now moses is saying my time is gone i'm not going to get to enter the land i'm I'm going to leave you now, but don't fret because there is one who will continue with you that is much stronger than I am, one who is much greater than I am. He is the Lord God. He's the Lord who has delivered us, and He's the Lord that will continue with us, who will never leave you, who will never forsake you. Church, we serve the Almighty God. We serve the God of all hope. We serve the God of of all comfort. We serve a God who calls us to trust in him and to exercise faithfulness to him in all circumstances of life, not least of which are the difficult circumstances of life. And this morning, as we open God's word together, as we look at Genesis chapter 32, we'll see such a circumstance in the life of Jacob. So let me encourage you to open God's word with me. The first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 32, beginning in verse 1. And as you find your place to Genesis chapter 32, let me encourage you to stand with me for the reading of God's word. Genesis chapter 32, beginning in verse 1. And you'll remember that this comes right on the heels of Jacob leaving Laban and Laban's land, Laban's household, his father-in-law, and setting out to a new land, setting out to a new territory, the territory of of his father's. Jacob also went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is the camp of God. So he named that place Mahanaim. And Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. He instructed them, this is what you are to say to my lord Esau, your servant Jacob says... I have been staying with Laban and have remained there till now. I have cattle and donkeys, sheep and goats, male and female servants. Now I am sending this message to my Lord that I may find favor in your eyes. And when the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, We went to your brother Esau and now he is coming to meet you. And 400 men are with him. In great fear, verse 7, in distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and herds and camels as well. He thought, if Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that is left may escape. And then Jacob prayed, O oh God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, Go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had, only one, I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan. But now I have become two camps. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with her children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. Verse 13, he spent the night there and from, from what he had with him, he selected a gift for his brother Esau, 200 female goats 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 female camels with their young, 40 cows and 10 bulls and 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. And you put them in the care of the servants, each herd by itself, and said to his servants, Go ahead of me and keep some space between the herds. Verse 17, he instructed the one in the lead, When my brother Esau meets you and asks, Who do you belong to and where are you going and who owns all these animals in front of you? And you are to say, they belong to your servant Jacob. They are a gift sent to my lord Esau. And he is coming behind us. And he also instructed the second, the third, and all the others who followed the herds. You are to say the same thing to Esau when you meet him. And be sure of this. Be sure to say this. Your servant Jacob is coming behind us. For he thought, I will pacify him with these gifts I am sending on ahead. Later when I see him, perhaps he will receive me. So Jacob's gifts went on ahead of him. But he himself spent the night in the camp. Father, we pray that you would guide us now by the power of your spirit as we seek to understand your word and to apply it to our own lives as your people today. Free us from distractions. Father, fix our eyes on on you, for you are a great and mighty God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Well, you may be seated. We've been following the story of this, this man named Jacob Jacob, a a real-life biblical character who lived a fascinating life. A man who was the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. Remember that Abraham received that great call from God recorded in Genesis chapter 12 to leave the land where he lived and to go to the land that God would show him. And God promised him that he would make his... His family into a great nation and ultimately that all nations of the earth would be blessed through the offspring of Abraham. And we know that that offspring ultimately pointed to the Messiah, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who came from the line of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and who would extend salvation to the nations of, of the world. Well, God had called Jacob. And Jacob played a central role in in this story, this grand story, this gospel story of redemption. But as we've been saying, we know that God did not choose Jacob to fulfill this role because Jacob was some mighty man. He didn't choose Jacob because Jacob had all the credentials, because Jacob was strong and powerful and, and wise and committed to the Lord. No, Jacob was a flawed man. Jacob was A broken man. Jacob was a man who needed to be saved by the grace of God just like you and me. Jacob was a real fixer-upper kind of a man. For apart from the Lord coming into his life and fixing him up, he would never model exemplary faith for for anyone else. But even so, God called Jacob and He used Jacob in a mighty way for for His glory. For when Jacob... God looked at Jacob. He didn't just see a sinner. He didn't just see someone that waddled between faith in God and his own way. But he, he saw a man with great potential to be used in God's tremendous program. God didn't look at Jacob and say, on his own, that guy will really benefit me in, in my program. But no, God looked at Jacob and he said, I want... I want to choose this person to be used in this way because it will be obvious that the only reason that he amounted to anything is because I did a tremendous work in and through him. God continued to work on Jacob and to call Jacob to to display model faith in, in him. And just in case Jacob forgot, The words of God to him in Genesis chapter 28, verse 15, that God would be with him and go wherever he went and lead him back to this land as he departed the land of his fathers. And just in case Jacob had forgotten the words of chapter 31, verse 3, where where God had assured Jacob of his continued presence and protection with him, God spoke to him again in chapter 32, verse 1. And he spoke to him through a vision of angels. Messengers of God to assure Jacob that God continued with him, that God was with him, that God was leading him, that God was going to continue to direct his path. And church, the same to a great extent is true for God's people today. The same is true for day, for, for us today. For though we face challenges and opposition, though we face hardships, crises in this life, the presence of God's angels should provide us comfort. The presence of angels should provide comfort for God's people. And you may be thinking, well, what do you mean by that? I've never seen a vision of angels like Jacob did here. If I saw a vision of angels like this, then I would have no problem exercising confidence in God in the face of whatever I might encounter in this life. Certainly, that sounds good. That's Probably natural for us to say such a thing, but at the same time, we must remember if we have a healthy view of who we are, we have such a deep propensity to sin that likely we would not respond any better than Jacob did right here. No doubt, the Word of God teaches that God is active in the lives of His people and that His messengers are active in the lives of His people in this world. Anybody ever heard someone say Tell an account of seeing an angel or they think they saw an angel. You've probably heard stories like this. Anybody remember that uh, popular television show in the 90s, Touched by an Angel? Some of you like to kid me uh, from time to time about my age. Believe it or not, I do remember TV in the 90s. Now, if you go back too much beyond that, then you're probably talking about reruns to me. Uh, but uh, Touched by Angel was uh, a television show about messengers from God disguised as humans who, who encountered people at difficult times in their lives, at crossroads in their lives in order to point them in the right direction. And we certainly don't want to build a theology of angels on a television show or even on one verse uh, here in Genesis chapter 32. But the Bible does teach that angels are active in the world today. In fact, the author of Hebrews writes in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, he says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. In other words, God is active in the lives of people on earth, and he's active in the lives of people on the earth, often through his messengers, through his angels, through his intermediaries. And here, God God did appear to to Jacob in a vision of, of angels, and called Jacob to exercise faith in him, to trust in him, no matter what lie ahead, but But Jacob was leaving one difficult circumstance for another. He was leaving one threatening situation in order to encounter another difficult and threatening situation. Remember that he had been running from Laban. Laban, who who didn't care a lot for Jacob. Laban, his father-in-law, who was really more interested in his own interest than he was in in Jacob's. deceived Jacob a number of times. So now the Lord has led Jacob to depart Laban's household, to to go to the land of his fathers, to take his family with him. But now along the way, he has another threat, an encounter with his brother Esau. Perhaps you remember the story that Jacob, 20 years prior, did not leave home on good terms he left running for his life, for his brother Esau wanted to kill him, wanted to murder him because he had stolen the birthright and the blessing. He it deceived his, his brother, he had deceived his father into blessing Jacob instead of Esau. And now Jacob wants to make things, things right. He's scared of how his brother will receive him. He's scared of encountering Esau once again. And according to the story, rightly so to some extent. For Esau is coming out to meet him with 400 men. And church, God's people will encounter frightening and dangerous situations in life. We can be assured based on human experience and based upon the word of God that God's people will encounter difficult circumstances, frightening and dangerous circumstances in this life. Most likely, you and I will not face a situation just like Jacob's. But you may face burglary. You may face threats from terrorists. You may face religious persecution. You may face rejection. You may face cancer. You may face the loss of a loved one. You may face divorce. You may face many difficult times. And in all of these circumstances, for those that are involved in them, they are situations of crisis. And the Word of God calls us in such moments to display faith in Him. These are opportunities for the people of God to express confidence, not in ourselves, but in the Lord. And to some extent, this is what Jacob did. To some extent, he responded in faith. On on one hand, he did respond with faith in God. He responded with prayer. And God's faithfulness encourages His people to pray during difficulty. For God is a faithful God. We already saying about His faithfulness this morning. And His faithfulness through the ages ought to lead His people to pray during difficulty. Certainly not just during difficulty, but but definitely during difficulty. Look back at Genesis chapter 32, verses 9 and following at the content of Jacob's prayer. Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, You who said to me, Go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan. In other words, the first time I set out this way, I had nothing. But now I have become two camps, because the Lord had blessed him. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me, and also the mothers with their children. But you have said... I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. You know, church, this is really a good prayer. This is a model prayer in many ways for us. Jacob recounts the faithfulness of God, that that his God is is the God of the ages, the God of the generations, the God of his father and his grandfather, implying that you are the God that appeared to my grandfather Abraham and promised to, to use him in a mighty way and to carry out your program, your plan through him. Essentially, he says, and I am unworthy of anything you've given me. You've given me far more than I deserve. Expressing faithfulness in God to a certain extent, reminding God what God had already said. Not so much because God needs a reminder, but probably a reminder to himself. God, you said this to me and I I believe you. This is a, a good prayer, yet it doesn't jive with the way Jacob responded. Once again, Jacob seems to be on this spiritual fence of trusting in God and going his own way he wants both and he wants to express faithfulness to God and and yet continue to take steps to make sure that he's okay in the process so he attempts to to buy his brother off sends him some 550 animals out of his wealth out of his abundance to to buy off his brother that his brother won't be angry with him and he Prepares for battle with his brother. Dividing his camp, dividing his family into two camps so that all won't be lost. It's easy, once again, to point the finger at Jacob, but I wonder how often we don't act the same way. How often we display the same kind of faith. We turn to God in prayer when we can't seem to figure things out ourselves. When danger comes, we... React to danger, and then we think, oh, well, maybe I should pray. We share the gospel with someone only when we feel prepared, or we won't be rejected. God calls us to exercise faith in Him, trust in Him in every situation of life. And rather than operate out of fear, God's people can trust Him. Rather than walking through life in fear of whatever we face, whatever abounds, every difficult circumstance or trial we may go through, we are called to display trust in God, for God is trustworthy and He is good. He is mighty and He is near us. He is with us. He loves us with a love that will never fail. Scripture is so clear, very clear, that, that God's love never fails, that He has an unfailing love, a steadfast love for His people. And we are the recipients of that love and We can trust Him to care for us. In fact, turn with me in your Bibles far to the right, to the New Testament letter written to the Romans. Romans chapter 8, a beautiful passage of Scripture, well-known passage of Scripture that has been a comfort to people of faith in in God for many centuries. I want to read from Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and following that speaks to this, this same truth of of confidence in God, whatever we face in this life. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, is at the right hand of the Father, praying for us, lifting us as His people up in prayer. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Church, this is the love of God that led Him to plan before the foundation of the world to come on a rescue mission to us, to die as a substitute sacrifice on the cross for your sins and for my sins, that we might have life, abundant life in Him and eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, that whosoever believes in him, believes in Jesus, will not perish but have eternal life. Church, this is the same God that promised to be with Jacob. We serve the God of Jacob. We serve the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he is one who can be trusted by us in anything and everything. God can be trusted to deliver his people from danger in accordance with his plan. Church, we learn from Genesis chapter 32 verses 1 through 21 in the context of God's word that God can be trusted by us to deliver us from danger in accordance with His plan. God is a deliverer. He is the one who delivered the Israelites from bondage in Egypt and He is the one who delivered His people from exile in Babylon and He is the one who has delivered us from sin and death through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now we must be careful here in interpretation and application because this does not mean that, that we will never face hardship and danger and difficulty in this life. This certainly doesn't mean that we won't face heartache and even death in this life. We know, we know that's not the case. But the battle that we fight and the conflict that we are in And the greater story and context of God's Word is that God is an eternal God and is not bound by time. And we are in a conflict that is far greater than any flesh and blood. We are in a spiritual conflict as people of faith in the God of Scripture, a conflict that cannot be won or overcome by human ingenuity or or strength or money, or might, but can only be overcome by the God who holds the world in His hands. And He has done so in and through Jesus Christ our Lord. He has delivered us from the greatest danger, the danger of our sin and the consequences of our sin. He has delivered us from, from a life that is in bondage to sin and enslaved to sin and on the road of judgment and has given us new life, eternal life in and through Jesus Christ, reconciling us into a right relationship with Him. And He continues to work among us and in us, watching over us and shaping us and molding us for His glory. I want to finish with words that Paul spoke to Christians in first century Philippi. As he reminded them of what God was doing in their lives. What God had done for them. And what God would continue to do for them. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. Church hear these words. Being confident of this. That he meaning God. That he who began a good work in you. Began a good work when he created you and called you and saved you by his grace. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Until the day of Christ Jesus. Church, God has begun a good work in us and he will continue that work until the day of the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he deserves praise from us because of it. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you for for your word. We thank you for love and your mercy and your grace that you have displayed to us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we acknowledge that we are sinners, that we are broken, that we are rebellious, that we are in need of you and in your mercy you have you have restored us into right relationship with you and we give you thanks for it. Father, we're so thankful for the opportunity to call you our God and to call you Father and to know that you look at us as Sons and daughters. Father, we pray that your presence, that your protection, that your power would be felt and evident in our lives as your people. That we would rest on the promises of your word. That we would live and walk by confidence in you regardless of what we face in this life. For we know, Lord, that this earth is not our not our home. Lord, that we are here temporarily. And awaiting the day for your return that we might be united with you and forever enjoy your glorious presence. Father, be glorified in our lives. Hear our praises now as we respond to you. Lead us and guide us for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen.